Earlier this summer, I got on a Zoom call with Notre Dame University in Lebanon. I spoke about my career and being the founder of Women Offshore. I also met a woman who was the very first female to work offshore in Lebanon. Her name is Sarah L. Bustani, and I asked her to come on the show today to share her experience, what it was like for that very first time working offshore, and why she has chosen a career on the water. This is the Women Offshore Podcast. I'm your host, Ali Cedeno, a mariner and founder of Women Offshore. Women Offshore is a 501c3 nonprofit organization supporting a diverse workforce on the water. Earlier this year, history was made off the coast of Lebanon as the drill ship Tungsten Explorer began drilling operations in the area for the first time. This was huge for the country of Lebanon, who has faced a harsh economic and financial crisis. On board the Tungsten Explorer, the crew included a woman, Sarah L. Bustani. She's a graduate of Lebanese American University with a bachelor's degree in petroleum engineering and a minor in mathematics. Sarah is what is known as an operations engineer. Her job duties include assisting the rig manager and country manager with the planning and implementation of major maintenance and upgrade projects, preparing budgets, and developing standard benchmarks for tracking rig operation performance. Today, I am so pleased to finally introduce you to Sarah so we can all learn from her. Welcome, Sarah, to the Women Offshore podcast. Thank you, Ali, for asking me to be part of your podcast. I'm actually very excited. Good. I'm excited, too. Please start out by sharing why you started working offshore and how you found out about it. All right. So I've lived in Qatar for almost 14 years before university. And I think that uh, had had an influence on my decision to study petroleum engineering in college, you know, with the industry being um, well-developed and well-advanced there. And at that time, and when I was choosing my major, you know, I did my research. I met a lot of professionals who shared their wonderful experiences in the field. And I, I simply felt like I could actually relate I once read somewhere that there is beauty in the oil and gas industry, but nobody sees it except those who are passionate about it. And I honestly loved the idea of working on rigs, getting mud dirty and dealing with equipment that are 10 times my size. And I was even eager to go offshore more than anything else. And I actually got lucky to be able to do so early on in my career. So I graduated from the Lebanese American University in Lebanon with a degree in petroleum engineering and a minor in math. And a few months after graduation, I got the chance to join Vantage Drilling as an operations engineer and was assigned to a tungsten explorer drill ship that's currently in, in Cyprus. I was very excited when I got asked to join the rig and work offshore. And basically, that's how it all started. And I've been going uh, offshore for hitches since. I hope you're enjoying that time off. Drilling offshore of Lebanon is relatively new. For our listeners who might not know much about that, can you please share what's been going on there? Yeah, of course. So our neighboring countries have been long producing offshore. So it actually took us quite some time before deciding to uh, explore our natural resources in Lebanese waters. 
So after conducting, you know, 2D and 3D seismic studies offshore a few years back, and during our first licensing round, that was in 2017, the Lebanese government awarded two blocks for the consortium that was led by Total under an EPA agreement uh, valid until May 2021. So Total then chose Tungsten Explorer, that was the drill ship that's actually owned by Vantage Drilling, and that was drilling in uh, in Egypt at that time, to drill the first exploration well offshore Lebanon in Block 4, starting February 2020. And the operation actually ended just a few months ago, but unfortunately, we were not able to find what we were looking for, which is, though, as you know, pretty common for exploration wells. Yeah, that is common. And when I think about drilling in Lebanon, I imagine it was very controversial. What was the country's response? Yeah, no doubt. It's pretty controversial. And in Lebanon, you know, we've been long excited about this industry. So it has and was an important deal for us, and especially in the light of the current situation and the financial problems that we've been facing in Lebanon. We literally just needed any any positive thing that just give us hope. But as I said, and unfortunately, it was a dry case for the first well. And of course, rumors started to spread and we heard many inaccurate information from non-credible sources. And that's just normal, you know, being new to this and it being the first well ever. So it'll actually take us some time before we start understanding how this sector really works and to be able to judge on the information that's presented to us. Regardless of this, you know, Lebanese people just always keep pushing forward in everything. So we're pretty positive and I think hopeful as well about what's coming and about the future of this industry in Lebanon, no doubt. Good. So Sarah, I would like to take a moment to reflect on what happened earlier this summer in in Lebanon with the explosion in Beirut. First, our condolences to those who were affected and and their families. Do you want to share your thoughts on the explosion? Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Ali, for for talking about this. It's honestly been hard and tough for a lot of people. I think for everyone, even those who weren't directly affected and those who were directly affected as well, of course. And without going too much into the politics of things and the reasons behind everything, because it's just sad and devastating for all of us. I want to also share my condolences to the families who've lost um, dear ones due to the explosion that happened. And I just want to say how how nice it is to see all the Lebanese people, the young people, and and even the older ones just trying to help out in cleaning and rebuilding and and volunteering. And yeah, it's that that has been nice from another side. (laughs) Just trying to look at the positive of things because honestly, this is something you don't see much positives in it. Yeah, absolutely. You have so much pride, Sarah, for your country. It's great to know you. I want to switch gears again with you. So looking back on your very first day, what did you need to do to prepare to go offshore? What was that first day like? Oh, okay. So, well, as you know, you first have to have some medical tests and some certificates that you are required to obtain before you're allowed to go offshore. I'm like Bosnia and say EBS and just some other certificates. But aside from that, I had absolutely no idea what it was going to be like offshore. And I actually had the curiosity to check online for stories shared by people who have been there, you know, especially women, and especially after knowing that I would be the only woman working on board. I also did not know what I had to bring with me, but I simply asked my superiors who were at the office 
and they were of tremendous help. And by the way, it was only after I came back that I noticed Women Offshore posted uh, an offshore packing list on the website. Shame I was a little late on that. So, <laughs> yeah, I saw that, but I was like too late. But anyway, I'm Vantage Semi for the first time on the rig while I was still in Egypt before it sailed to Lebanon, just for a couple of days to get myself familiar with the ship, where everything is, and get to meet the people there as well. And at that time, both my back-to-back and I went together and happens that he is a close friend of mine. We shared some classes at the university and we worked together in some activities. So I was lucky that we were there at the same time supporting each other since I literally did not know anyone there. And I'm sure going to the rig for these couple of days somehow made it easier for me as I returned for my first official hitch when the rig made its way to Lebanon. And as for the first day, you know how a first day usually is. You just attend the induction after that. All you try to do is just try to figure out things, just try to start getting used to things, you know, your room, the work, the food, especially the time and how you're going to fix your schedule. Honestly, I had a blast every time I went offshore. Most people are very nice and you learn a lot and it's good to feel organized and just disciplined as well. So, yeah, don't you agree? (laughs) Absolutely. It sounds like you really tried to make the most out of it. So how would you describe the offshore lifestyle? What do you do on a daily basis? Okay, one thing I really liked about being offshore is that you have no options but to learn how to time manage and to follow a specific schedule. And I'm sure everyone who has been offshore knows what I'm talking about. Although it can be hard and challenging, this actually plays a positive role in being consistent and learning how to be disciplined as well. My everyday on the rig looked something like that. So I wake up a little before 4 a.m. so I can have time to hit the gym before my pre-tower meeting at 530 I then attend a supervisor's meeting at 6, a client meeting at 7 before I head to the office to work on whatever is assigned uh, to me for that day, from budgets, KPIs, upgrade projects, to preparing presentations and technical reports. The priority of my job, however, has always been to monitor ongoing operations just to make sure that they comply with the company's standards and report to the rig manager who is usually in the office onshore. So for most of the time, (laughs) you would find me outside on the rig floor, in the sack store, on the pipe deck, just making sure everything goes according to plan. I'm usually on a day shift. So my shift supposedly (laughs) ends at 6 p.m., which is never really the case. I usually attend another client meeting at 7, enjoy watching the sunset from the heli deck directly after that. Uh, It kind of gives me like a chance to calm my mind down and meditate for a little bit. And sometimes I find some colleagues after that who are off tower too, playing either ping pong or just sitting around sharing stories. So I I would join them for some time. And I try to sleep at around 8.30 just so I can get enough rest. But I always get called in the middle of the night for some important operation that's taking place. So yeah, it's never really that easy. And that's basically my day on the rig. Yeah, Sarah, you're so inspiring. I like how you take a moment for yourself when you're out there to take in the beauty and focus on self-care. It's so easy to get just caught up in the work and after a while you can get burnt out. So to have a sustainable career, I think what you're doing helps so much. You know that working 12 hours a day is just tough. You need to take time to, you know, just for (laughs) self-maintenance. That's uh, how we say it. Absolutely. So for those who may want to work offshore and are concerned about the male-dominated environment, 
What is that like? And what advice do you have for them? Yeah, I was actually directly exposed to this being the only woman among sometimes 190 or 180 crew members on board. This actually woke me up to the existing gender gap that were a little far from annihilating, at least for now. I received a lot of comments and judgments on being there and not everyone accepted it. It's just that what helped is that I refused to see myself differently so others wouldn't be able to do so either. It actually all starts within on basically it starts with how you perceive yourself. And other than that, I just looked for and actually found a lot of members who were kind and helpful and that made the overall environment much more comfortable. It actually did not take me long to realize that if I worked hard and did well, then my gender was not a hindrance. So yes, some might be rude, but that's just normal. We can't expect everyone to be okay with it, but eventually you realize that how they think is not your concern and you just focus on finding allies and people who motivate you and support you in everything that you do because at the end if a career offshore is what interests you then you should know that you're not limited to a particular industry based on your gender and if you believe that then that's all that matters you just choose not to give importance to all negative comments from people who do not really understand your passion and drive and just have the confidence to go forward, to learn, to grow, to self-develop and to focus on you instead of anyone else and regardless of the environment. Yeah, that's beautifully said and spot on in my experience. You got to keep focusing on the goals you've set and shut out that negative noise because the negativity does not matter. Sarah, now that you've been offshore for a few hitches, do you have any memorable sea stories you could share with us? Well, yeah, of course. I mean, regardless of how much work you have and how tough living offshore can be, you build relationships with people there and you just face funny and weird scenarios sometimes. So um, one of the funniest things that happened to me was upon my arrival on the rig for my first hitch. You know, it's always a hassle to find the right coverall size. And I'm actually kind of tiny. So as I headed to the warehouse to get my PPE, I was given the smallest coverall size available on the rig, which was still way too big for me. So I informed the coordinator in charge that it was too large. And I asked if it's possible to have one custom made if it's not available on the rig. Just so you know, I wouldn't be walking and tripping and so on. And once I told him about the size that I needed, he stayed silent for a little while and then just simply said, you know, I think you should get them from Toys R Us. That's the only place you can find these. And people were around when this people were around when this happened and they started laughing and you know, words just spread fast on a rig. So a few hours later everyone was laughing about this. Yeah. And other than that, you know, I'm kind of a clumsy person who falls a lot. <laughs> so if you're around me for quite some time, it's very probable that you got to see me in funny situations where falling or tripping, sometimes over nothing. <laughs> but I just hope for whoever did that and uh, did see me. And there were a lot of people, I'm sure, would just keep those things between us. <laughs> That's it. So I really needed a cover roll that can fit my size because I would trip <laughs> sometimes over nothing without having these difficulties. And if I have a coverall that's way too big that's just even worse <laughs> yeah yeah that's not a good situation to be in when your coveralls don't fit and it's interesting that you bring this up because it's something that we talk about at women offshore and it's interesting to see that some people think that it's about looks that's why women want coveralls that their bodies when really we know as offshore workers that is about efficiency and safety like you're talking about 
it's sad that people think this. I mean, when you go on the leg, you, all you care about is just the work. You don't really care what you look like. You just want to be comfortable in, in whatever you're wearing to be able to do your job right. And when it's too large and you just feel like you could trip or just fall, then that's not comfortable, regardless of, you know, it's not about looking good or not. It's just about, you know, wearing comfortable clothes for you to be able to do, the, do your job perfectly. And that's it. So it's sad if people actually think this way. <laughs> Yeah, the perception really needs to change. People need to be aware that this is about efficiency. This is about safety. When you're carrying all this extra weight around with you because of the material, you can't work as well. And we don't want to risk anyone getting hurt because they have this extra fabric hanging on their body either. So it's it's really important. And if you didn't get a set of female coveralls, I know some people that can hook you up with a great pair. So let me know and we can get you a pair of female fitting coveralls. Thank you, Ali. <laughs> One of the benefits of working offshore is getting a lot of time off. So what does that look like for you? If you're working just six months out of the year, you're doing a month on month off rotation or something similar. What do you do with all that off time? Yeah, I'm actually currently on my time off right now. I'm supposed to go back sometime at the end of this month, hopefully. The thing is that I'm actually kind of the hyperactive type. So I can't just sit around and do nothing. And I cannot have a lot of free time. It just drives me crazy. And you know, with the pandemic, also restricted activities to things that you can do while you're at home or alone without including a lot of people. So you're just still trying to adapt to that. But I do enjoy playing piano. I enjoy working out and watching basketball games, especially now with the start of the new WNBA season. I spend time reading and meditating, hopefully somewhere with a view or just going outdoors. And I'm humming and singing almost all the time. But um, don't worry, I've been told I have a nice voice. I don't know if people were just trying to play nice though. And other than that, I'm actually learning a new language now. And I've been recently working on webinars and joining some as a guest speaker. Most of them have been related to the gender gap in the oil and gas and more especially the offshore industry. You know, after coming back from the rig and noticing this imbalance, I somehow became committed to promoting diversity and trying to, as much as I can throughout these webinars, to encourage women to pursue their interests in all STEM fields. And if they're interested to go offshore, then offshore as well, of course. Good. You're such a fantastic role model, Sarah. I love that from the very beginning with your offshore career, you realize that you can inspire others. One last question for you, Sarah. For anyone looking to work offshore, what advice do you have for them to get started? All right. Working offshore is challenging, you know, regardless of the role that you're performing. It doesn't come easy either. You have to be really prepared both physically and mentally to be able to do what the job requires there. And as I said before, it, it all requires discipline, you know, to be able to keep yourself motivated and positive and to be able to sustain a good performance all throughout, you know, your pitch there. I mean, you know how tough it can be to work for 28 days straight and sometimes more for 12 hours a day. So um, before anything else, I think I'm making sure and patterning your behavior and just basically having a set mentality for success because that can take a long way and push you to work harder. And aside from hard work, I think being mentored can really help. 
you know, having someone to confine in, to ask for guidance from, or someone who has been there, done that. Because people tend to feel more motivated and encouraged when they hear stories of others who have been successful, when they're supported, and when they have role models to look up to and take advice from. So I really think having a mentor is very helpful. And I know you've been working on this with the Women Offshore Mentoring Program. So congrats for that. It's been a success, I'm sure. Yeah, thanks. It's great to have you in the mentoring program at Women Offshore. I know your mentor personally, and she's enjoyed working with you. And I hope that pretty soon you'll be a mentor in our program as well. I hope so. <laughs> I'm looking forward. <laughs> Good. Thanks so much, Sarah, for coming on the Women Offshore podcast. It was an absolute pleasure to have you as a guest today. Thank you, Ali. I just want to thank you for first asking me to join you in your podcast. And second, for the amazing and astonishing work that Women Offshore has been doing and promoting women working offshore. I mean, congrats on the success. You're truly inspiring. And I'm, I'm happy to be part of your journey. Thanks for tuning in. This has been episode 28. Coming up at Women Offshore... I'm so excited. We're going to have a virtual conference. As most of you know, we had planned a conference for July. We postponed it to October. And now it's going to be virtual October 2nd and October 9th. Details are at womenoffshore.org. Registration will open September 1st. Until next time, stay safe out there and I'll talk to you soon.